Hello, everyone. You're listening to localjobnetwork.com radio. I'm Tim Muma, and this is Employment Notebook, where we touch on a variety of topics related to the workplace. Today, we're tackling the issue of narcissism in the workplace, how an egocentric society might be affecting that workplace. To talk about these concerns and how to lead in these situations, we've brought back Tim Sackett, the president of HRU Technical Resources, and again, an individual with 20 years of experience in human resources and recruiting, including with Fortune 500 companies, healthcare, and the technology field. Tim, thanks again for coming on the show. Hey, thanks, Tim. Talk about narcissism. That entire intro <laughs> is very narcissistic to my uh, my abilities, right? <laughs> well, it's it's okay because I'm saying it's uh, I'm, somebody's got to toot your horn a little bit there. You know, maybe maybe one day we'll have a Tim Sackett day for anybody who uh, knows what I'm talking about there. Uh, so narcissism, yes, it is it is a, a topic that I think is probably bantied about quite a bit, and uh, the idea of you know egos and egocentrism in the workplace. I guess how do you, how are you seeing it occur in the workplace and its effects briefly? No, I don't know what, imp- I mean, I know it has an impact. I don't know to what level the impact so that like social media, mm-hmm. Facebook and Instagrams and Twitter and all these things are having. I mean, we tend to look at it and say, you know what, this narcissism issue that we face in the workplace really has to do with this newer generation of millennials coming in. Their their parents were, you know, helicopter parents and always told them they did everything they did was great and always gave them a trophy and they never got in trouble. And so we believe that we're raising this generation that's more narcissistic than the generation before them. And it, you know, it just kind of rolls uphill that way where we think our grandparents were probably the least narcissistic people in the world. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know if that's necessarily the case. I think in the workplace, I see it as pretty equal opportunity. I think you see a lot of people who are very narcissistic all the way from like I had a receptionist that I, I had to let go who would, would could not on a daily basis. She had to take at least two or three selfies and post them <laughs> on Facebook, on Instagram and of, her, of herself just sitting at her desk. Oh my gosh. And at a point you're kind of like going, okay, look, I know it takes three seconds or whatever, but why do you feel this need to share yourself sitting at your desk with <laughs> whatever people might be following you? I mean, what is that in an individual, you know, and that's that, it's that narcissistic kind of behavior that we see a lot. And, and so I think it's one of those things that we're facing as employers and as managers to try to figure out how do we handle. Well, and that was the one question, the one point you brought up when you first uh, brought the subject to my attention was how do you how do you lead when you have this group of individuals that, as you said, they were all given a trophy, they were all told how great they were, and look, you know, self confidence in, in kids, if you will, is a big thing, but at some point that obviously has to change. So, I mean, where do you start with that aspect of of, of leading someone who, if you give them the honest truth, maybe they up and quit. I mean, you don't want that either. Yeah, I think you have to, you definitely have to teach to the behavior that you want. So one is just leading by example. Mm-hmm. I think first and foremost, you have to be non-narcissistic to a different even level, right? You have to be one of those people that are just really going to not, you know, focus on yourself and focus on others. But I also think it's it's in the words and phrases that you use. When I first came back to run the company I'm running now, the leader before me, which I, again, was considered a great, likable leader. Everyone really loved the person. But their words and their actions uh, allowed a narcissistic behavior to even kind of flourish. Hmm. Um, everything was everything they did was great. All their reviews were great. It sure. was that kind of thing. Like you're doing great, and I had to come in and really set expectations to say, "Here's your job expectations, right? Here's what you should do to do your job, and if you do that, 
You're, you're not on a scale of one to five. You're not a five. You're a three. That's you're meeting the expectations of what the job is. So let's let me set that behavior expectation first before we even sit down and talk about your performance, because you're not going to hear me say you're doing great. You're going to hear me saying you're doing the job you were meant to do. That's really solid. <laughs> and you're, you have to really focus because people get so when they talk to somebody, they want to use these. You're doing really good. You're doing really great. You're terrific. You're outstanding. And then you go, what, are, what, what is it that, then what is outstanding? Hmm. You know, right. if they're just doing the job they're hired to do, you need to show them what terrific looks like, what, what above average looks like, what, what outstanding looks like. And then when you show them that and you show them how you have to go above and beyond to get that kind of feedback from me, you know, you start to set those expectations and, and then, you know, people kind of, you know, realize um, and aren't, aren't, I don't think then we'll leave, right? Because you said, hey, you do average. And I tell people when I say you're a three on a scale of one to five, that doesn't mean average. That means you're doing exactly what we've asked you to do, mm-hmm. you know, which that I need that, right? <laughs> that don't, don't believe that you're average because you're doing what you should be doing. Because sure. there's a lot of people that I could hire that come in this job that can't do that job. But also don't believe that you're a rock star because if you're a rock star, then I, I need you to do this, 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 and this. And, and most leaders won't have those further things that, you know, here's, here's what you should do to be great. Right. For yourself, and uh, of course, everybody has their own experiences and it may de- depend on your, your workforce specifically, but with individuals that might have this mentality of, you know, everybody's doing great and everyone gets a trophy, that, that sort of idea, does competition in any way help or hurt? I mean, what's been your experience in trying to foster some sort of competitive, I mean, not in anything obviously over the top, but some sort of competitive competition to really, to really push those individuals beyond that, that three out of five, as you mentioned? Yeah, I, I do think, I mean, I, I worked in an organization where competition is paramount to productivity and performance, but not every organization is going to have an environment where that works or should it, should it be used? Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, we, we do staffing and, and so there's a lot of sales kind of behaviors that are involved there. So competition fits really well. And I do think it helps individuals because you can you can point to certain deliverables, certain measures, certain things to say, you know, here's what this is. I, I know on my team who the most productive person is and I know who the least productive person is. And by the way, they know that as well. Mm. And so when now when you're sitting you know, in a room with 20 other people and you know who's number one and you know who's number 20. Right. And you know where you're falling in between. You, they do tend to reach higher, right? The bar is raised higher. People will tend to reach higher. If if you're trying to bring everybody to the middle and everybody and everybody from, the, from number one to number 20 is doing great, why does number one have to work any harder than number 20? Sure. You know, really that's what it comes down to is mm. how do you, how are you going to maintain or increase productivity and effectiveness in your workforce. Um, so I'm not saying that going out and force ranking people and doing things like that is, is a good thing. Uh, but I'm also not saying it's a bad thing. I think there's there's a level in every organization that you have to find that says what, what kinds of things can we do that offer a little bit of that. Also knowing that we don't want to kill someone's spirit either, right? Number 20 on my list, I have to make sure I pick up a lot more than number one right. and, and help that number 20 to say, hey, our goal here is not to say we want you out because you're number 20. Our goal here is to say my number 20 might be a still above average performer. Mm-hmm. So I got to make sure I deliver the proper message. Now, if number 20 is a below average performer and not doing things to get to average or to get to effectiveness, right, 
then you have to deal with that. But it's not about, you know, that, that's why I think people get caught in forced ranking is they're saying, well, number one is great. Number, you know, your last one is terrible and you need to get rid of that last one. No, not necessarily. You know, now your, your last person might be also a very strong performer that you want to keep on your team and you have made, you need to make sure you deliver the proper message to each individual. Right. You know? Well, you know, it kind of reminds me, I love sports, coached and played a ton. And, you know, there's always the mentality of you're only as good as your worst player. And I kind of feel like, if you take that approach, as you talked about, you're number 20 on your staff. If they're still above average, you're, you're probably in a good spot because where is that top 10, top five you're talking about? I mean, is that something that you would suggest focusing on or is it okay if if that number 20 is just average or is that a point then you'd have to, to move forward with that person? Yeah, I mean, you know, the world needs dish diggers too. Um, I, I think it's a great analogy on the sports side that you use because, you know, it really is, you know, while I have some competitive stuff in my group, I also have team goals. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that team goal is everybody has to reach a certain level, right? From one to 20. And sure. so the team then ends up helping, you know, maybe a lower performer or a bottom performer to make sure they reach that goal as well, because the teams want to reach that. So I think it it is a good um, sense to say, hey, you know, how do I maintain individual performance and how do I maintain team performance? You know, it's really difficult for leaders to do, right? but you have to concentrate on both sides. Yeah. Another aspect that you had mentioned and, uh, is the idea of this helicopter parent. And of course, that would be, you know, someone always looking over the, the child's shoulder, making sure they're doing the right thing, making sure they're doing well. Is that happening too much in the workplace? Is that something that doesn't translate well? I mean, we talk about needing to, you know, possibly lift somebody up and improve their performance, but where's that balance again of them being able to do it on their own and self-motivate and all, all those ideas? So I think here's where the narcissism in our workforce really could go the, a bad way, uh-huh. um, worse than maybe than what it already is for some for some companies. Popular belief right now in performance management is, is that you don't give feedback once a year in an annual performance review, but you give feedback constantly, mm-hmm. all during the day, all during the week, all during the month, throughout the year. And so then when you, when you come to like an annual performance review, there's no surprises given. Right. That's, great. That's great in theory. <laughs> the problem being is, is that, that if you're giving, constantly giving feedback to somebody, and that feedback is constantly, you're doing great, you're hard, you're, God, keep up the hard work, you're doing great, you're doing, that then becomes narcissistic, right? Because mm. now they're, they're wanting more of it, they're feeding off it. Please tell me more that I'm doing great, so I'll do great <laughs> again. Whereas if you're actually giving constructive feedback, like, hey, let's talk about this project that you worked on. Let's talk about what you did good, but you know, let's talk about the opportunities that you need to improve on and let's focus there. That's a different kind. And I think we have to be very careful as HR professionals, as business leaders, as managers of people, that we don't just become the narcissistic kind of constant feedback of you're doing great and patting on the head. That's not the kind of feedback that employees need to get better and our organizations need to get better. I like the idea of ongoing feedback throughout the year versus once a year, definitely. Mm-hmm. But we have to make sure that it's constructive feedback. Right. And I think it's, it's much harder deliver constructive feedback to an individual than it is to just say, damn, gosh, you did a great job today. Mm-hmm. You know, keep it up. Right. Can't wait to see you tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that becomes a little redundant. And people tend to then go, if you don't say that, they go, well, oh, what? he didn't tell me I did a good job. Why didn't, sure. why didn't he tell me I did a good job? And they focus on that, right? 
And you're like going, well, no, you, you did a fine job, right? You did the job you were supposed to do. <laughs> I don't need to tell you you did a good job. But we tend to, sometimes that, you know, with, with giving a lot of feedback, that tends to be one of the outcomes from an employee. And, and again, I know everybody's different. And for myself, I've always tried to express to whatever managers I've had is that, you know, I, of course, everybody loves getting compliments and, and I appreciate that. But I really want to know if I'm on the wrong path somewhere or, you know, if my job were to be in danger, like that, that is the feedback I want to hear. Is, is that something you think isn't done enough then overall? when you're talking about that feedback, you talk about that constructive feedback? Yeah, but you know, people don't want to hear constructive feedback. Oh, okay. They, you, <laughs> they think they do, but they don't. They, ex- no, what, what they want to hear is that you did a really great job on that project and I need you here uh, and you're valuable and we couldn't do it without you. That's what they want to hear. They don't want to hear to say, you know what, that, you delivered that project on time. Thank you for that. But really it lacked the creativity or it lacked the, you know, the punch that it needed to be something that's going to move this company forward, then th- then that becomes a huge negative to them, right? Because it was like, oh, well, gosh, uh, I was really wanting to get this great, you know, pat on the back for doing my job. Right. And, and the ultimately, and, and me being in HR in 20 years and having to deliver a lot of feedback to a lot of people, <laughs> that's the God honest truth is people don't want constructive feedback. Hmm. They want to hear they're doing a great job. So you have to figure out a way to wrap that. Right. Because you understand that as a leader, they want, they, they're looking for a kudos, which is good. You know, we need to deliver those. And at the same time, you know, deliver something by going, you know what, you know, for the next project, let's, let's focus on some of these key components here and see if we can even do better. Right. You did, you did good on this one. Let's do better. Here's what better looks like. Okay. And, and kind of, kind of lay that out so that you're not destroying their confidence um, or putting them down when, when they're happy about what they did. You have to know that as a leader, like this person's coming in you know, they're looking for that pat on the back from me. And yet you feel kind of just average <laughs> about their performance. <laughs> so how do I, how do I deliver this constructively <laughs> at the same time in a positive way to say, I still want you here, right? You're still valuable. We're still working on making you better. You know, don't give up on us. We're not going to give up on you. Right. You know, I'm talking to the idea again of, of sort of narcissism or egocentrism and, and people feeling good about themselves, which we're not obviously saying is bad in and of itself, but you brought up sort of that scale of one to five and that person who's a three, and that's that's fine because that's you're asking them to do a job, but possibly they're thinking, well, I think I'm doing great. I think I'm fine right here. I don't need to, to push to a four or a five. As a manager, as an owner of a company, even as a person in HR, is there some point you have to take a hard line with that person or you cut bait? I mean, what is your take on that person who thinks they're doing great when in reality, in your mind, they're doing okay? That's a really great question. I think it's one leaders struggle with more than anything is how do you take that average performer and, and that doesn't necessarily believe or want to raise their performance up, right? They're just happy. You know, hey, I'm a nine to five where I come in, I do my job, I go home. Mm-hmm. Hey, stop pushing me to be better. And people, some, some, there's a, a school of thought where someone would say, hey, we need those people too. That's great. Just leave them be, let them do it. I always bring those people in and kind of and, and, and give them a visual to say, you know what, our average performance right now and where you're at is right here. Really happy to have you, right? Yeah. Understand that our best performers are right here. They're a little bit higher than you. And, and, and they're really pushing hard to even raise that bar farther. What happens when that bar raises up is the average raises up. So while you're average now, if you don't continue to better yourself, in a year from now, you might be below average. Is that mm. where you want to be? Sure. You know? And it's not that you're not doing the job now, but the job will get 
expect the performance expectations will get better as we move forward. Now, how do we help you maintain, you know, that that kind of average ability or that average um, performance that you're 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 fine being in? Right. I, you know, I don't. It's not that I have to push you to great, but you have to at least maintain the average. And to maintain means you have to get better. Right. Because as a, as a company, we're getting better. And then that's all going to kind of raise up. And I think then people go, oh, okay. Like, I don't want to be below average. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so, again, it's not necessarily a trick to get them into wanting to get themselves better or to, to move their performance higher. It's just a reality, right? Sure. I mean, our organizations are either moving forward or they're dying. And, you know, and, and so, you know, you're hoping that you're working for an organization that's actually kind of raising their performance. I think it's a great perspective to have on it, especially to you, to your point as, you know, as, as the days and months and years go on, how that, that average in and of itself is raised. So as that employee, you better, uh, you better find a way to at least match that. So I, I definitely appreciate that visual for everyone. Uh, we are getting low on time, but I did want to just open up the floor for you as a, maybe a final wrap on this conversation. Again, the idea of narcissism in the workplace, and that can mean a bunch of different things as we've talked about. What do you see as possibly the biggest issue and how do you think uh, as a leader, what's your best tact for just being effective when it comes to maybe some of these mentalities of everyone's great and everyone's doing fine? Yeah, I I think that um, we have to give our leadership skills enough to have the critical conversations on on how to to address those behaviors. Um, And we don't do that. We just tend to say, hey, you're the best performer in this job and now you're the manager. Here's the keys to the bus and go drive these employees around and make sure they do great performance without giving them the skills. And I think it's, it's, it's not really difficult to teach them that, but we have to teach them that as HR professionals, as training professionals, teach them how to have that conversation um, one-on-one and, and how to drive performance. And if we don't do that, and sometimes people are called those soft skills, kind of leadership development, but I think it's even more specific of saying there's probably five or six various conversations you need to have to be really effective as a leader, and you need to teach those people how to have those conversations. And then, and then validate that they can actually do it, right? Have that conversation with me right now. One-on-one role-playing, as much as it might seem awkward to you, it doesn't matter. Have that conversation with me right now. I'm Mrs. Narcissistic you know, employee <laughs> that you have, and I think I'm great. I, you know on average, now let's have this conversation. Let's go through it. I think that if, they, if people can get comfortable with having that conversation um, as a leader, you're going to be one of the better leaders in your company. I think that is a perfect place to leave us off here today. So we will wrap up this edition of Employment Notebook. And again, our conversation about narcissism at work. Again, how leaders can still be effective regardless of any of those personality traits that might be difficult to manage. Our guest has been HR and recruiting pro Tim Sackett. Again, he's the president of HRU Technical Resources. You can also find more of his insights at timsackett.com and the popular HR blog, Fistful of Talent. Tim, as always, thanks for sharing your expertise with us. We do appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Tim. And as always, we want to hear from you, the listener. If you do have any comments or suggestions, go ahead and shoot us an email to ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com if you have any thoughts related to any of our podcasts here on LJN Radio. Once again, I'm your host, Tim Muma. Take care, everybody.